0: Hi there, and welcome to Putting the Squid to Bed, a podcast about creative people and their craft. My name is Tim Lenko, I'm a writer and performer, and on this podcast, I interview creative people about why they create things and how they go about it. The show is named after an image that I have found so helpful. If you're anything like me, you know those moments when you've nearly finished a project, but then you find another touch you could add, another loose end to tie off, or another rough patch that needs ironing out. It's like trying to tuck a squid into bed. Just when you get two or three arms under the covers, another four or five have popped back out. Projects are rarely finished so much as they are surrendered. And that journey of discovery, creation, and surrender is what I ask my guests about. Hello there, and welcome to episode three of Putting the Squid to Bed. In case we haven't met, hi, my name is Tim, and... I know I always say I'm excited for each episode I introduce, but today there's an extra layer of love to it because my guest today is literally one of my oldest friends. Uh, this gorgeous woman is works as a music therapist with the Healing Arts Department at St. Paul's Hospital in Saskatoon, Saskatchewan. Uh, there she provides music therapy to hemodialysis patients and community outreach programs. She's a guitarist, a pianist, a gorgeous singer, and she did her training at Capilano University in North Vancouver. She's currently also conducting graduate studies at St. Mary of the Woods Woods College in Indiana, and recently co-authored a chapter in a forthcoming book uh, published with the University of Saskatchewan Press. And all of this, so much of this has happened while she's been navigating the recent birth of her beautiful son. I am so excited to talk to her about all of this. Please welcome into your ears Tanea Enns. Hello, Tanea. Welcome here.
1: Hello. It is so good to be here. Very glad to be here.
0: No kidding. So, like a bit of background, like so you and I are first cousins. That's how we got to be oldest of friends, uh, our moms, our sisters. Uh-huh. Yeah. And both yes. our moms were incredibly creative. Uh, that is probably, uh, I, one of the first questions I have for you is where creativity started for you, where artistic, um, love and practice first took root. And I'm sure that your, your mom and your dad <laughs> were a part of it, but for you, where did things first start resonating and wanting to, uh, where you wanted to be creative?
1: Oh, gosh. Yeah, music has been part of my life ever, ever since before long-term memory kicked in. <laughs> um, my mom is a guitarist, and she would sing. It was one of our favorite things as kids, was when mom would pull out her guitar and sing classics like The Rose by Bette Midler. Yeah. That's one I remember very, very well. Yeah, no kidding. Well. Um. And... We used to, uh, have when the power would go out, which happened fairly often in northern Saskatchewan, they would light, mom and dad would light a kerosene lamp and we would sing songs around the campfire. And it was just the best. Um, we also had a piano yeah. uh, in our house, an old, upright, I'm certain, very out of tune. Um, <laughs> and I remember looking at like children's music books and I had no idea what the notes meant. but I would make up songs based on the pictures in these music books. And that was some of my earliest memories as well. So I was really little.
0: That's really cool. Uh, So I'd love to, so, so how would you interpret those pictures? What would your mind process and then spit back out?
1: You know, I don't even remember the content of the songs that I made up. Huh. I just remember making up songs.
0: Yeah. And was it lyrics and, and music? Oh, yes. Yeah. That's yeah. very cool.
1: And it was probably disharmonious banging and yelling um, <laughs> from the outside. But I thought it was beautiful music that was interpreting the picture on the page.
0: Totally. Right? Yeah. You were being honest mm-hmm. and then still trying to explore what kind of skills had to be put together to make The Honesty beautiful to others as well.
1: Yep. And I do remember uh, being able to pick out classics like Twinkle, Twinkle, Little Star or Old MacDonald Had a Farm, but only in the very bottom octave.
0: Oh, really?
1: (laughs) And uh, I could not figure out the tunes anywhere else on the keyboard. Um, So I could play the bottom octave of the piano really well. (laughs)
0: That's cool. Was it just that the that lower octave you could hear the 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 notes better that you could identify and match pitch more clearly or what do you know what it was? I
1: think it was that I thought that was the beginning of the piano.
0: Oh, like reading left to right. Yeah. So gotcha. that was
1: like the 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 beginning Of the piano. I couldn't play in the middle of the piano or at the end of the piano. I could play at the beginning.
0: Oh, so interesting. This is where
1: the piano started. So this is where I could play.
0: Yeah. It's so funny. I wasn't good
1: enough to play in the middle. Good people played in the middle, right? Oh, yeah.
0: That's so interesting. Do you remember (laughs) the moment you realized, oh, I can play any of this? Or was it something Not that you really. looked back on eventually and you are like, oh, whoa, I can't believe I used to think that?
1: You know, I really don't know when things switched because going back to talking about the playing the pictures in the books, yeah. that happened in the middle of the piano. Okay. But to play actual discernible tunes, yeah. um, those happened in the be- the start of the piano. So I don't know when... When that all switched, probably when I started piano lessons, right? Much yeah. like I started piano when I was seven. Yeah. Um, cool. So that's probably when like the discovery of middle C and, um, you know, playing songs with both of your thumbs on middle C.
0: Yes, totally. That's
1: probably where it switched.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. Because, yeah, but when yeah. you start playing, uh, being taught by most of those curricula, it, Middle C is the beginning and it's like oh, only good people yeah. venture for far away from Middle C.
1: Exactly.
0: Curious. Yeah. Neat. Mm-hmm. So uh, w- what pieces of art, music, um, film did you start then, uh, being exposed to that got your imagination firing even further, like, uh, and, and more interested in getting involved in music yourself. What were some of the most inspiring Um, albums or movies?
1: Oh gosh. Um, my music listening was very limited. Mm. Um, my family was very conservatively Christian growing up. And so, um, with that comes some fairly restrictive limitations on what sort of music you can listen to. Mm -hmm. Um, I remember discovering a tape that had uh had drums in it uh-huh. and and rhythm and it was like Whoa uh-huh. There's this whole new world of structured music that isn't just a guitar or isn't just a piano. Mhm. So I remember wearing out that tape. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah, really, really dating myself, saying my favorite thing was a tape, but you know,
0: <laughs> that's great. I was right there with you, though.
1: <laughs> yeah, I I knew you would be. So
0: <laughs> totally. Did you also have a cassette, um, a player that would re- you could record onto a a, ta- a tape deck where you could record onto tapes? Yes. Yeah.
1: We had like the great big boombox. Uh huh. That you could record.
0: Yeah, that's fine. And it had
1: the two. It had the two sides. So you could play a tape and sing along with it yeah. and record it onto another tape.
0: Yeah.
1: It was very, very fancy.
0: Yeah. It was a lot of people's first experience with recording and songwriting because mm-hmm. it was the first time that they were putting things together. Or in sound production. Um, as a kid, yeah. I remember recording news broadcasts on a tape deck. and uh, the
1: I remember you recording newscasts <laughs> on a tape deck.
0: And I wasn't really even paying attention to real life news, so I didn't have any frame of reference. My frame of reference was Mulan, because the only bad news that I heard being reported was the Huns are attacking. And so that was always the news Uh that came up, Uh, no matter what. uh, (laughs) It was always derivative from Mulan.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I love it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's entertaining. Of
1: all the movies you could have picked, I
0: know it was it was the Mulan. intense news that was being passed on, and that, so I I responded to that energy.
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, I love it.
0: So you have always been like music has always been in your bones. Uh, I've it's something that we've always enjoyed sharing and enjoyed exploring and just having fun with. Mm-hmm. I was all, so excited uh, years ago when you said, "I think I'm going to." go into music therapy, I think that this is the professional career that I'm actually going to pursue. I'm interested in what hooked you into that idea. What was the first pull to want to uh, study and practice music therapy? It was you. Oh.
1: Yeah, we're remembering that conversation differently, I think. Oh my gosh. Okay, tell me. So I was trying to figure out what to do with my life. I had tried teaching piano lessons and I hated every minute of it. Yeah. And I'd given it a good solid couple of years of teaching small children how to play yeah. music. Yeah. And I hated it. Uh-huh. And I wasn't very good at it. And Relatable. I also had lots of uh, really difficult piano teacher experiences and I uh-huh. didn't want to be one of those for yeah. small children. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so, decided that that wasn't a thing. Yeah. And also, didn't want to go into music performance. Yeah. That wasn't something that was attractive for me as a career. Mm. And so I thought, you know what, music is going to stay a hobby. Hmm. Um, something that I do at church, something that I do for myself. Mm-hmm. Um, but music and my career aren't going to mix. Hmm. And so then I looked into helping professions. I had been accepted into nursing and was like, mm. had several people in my life tell me that that wasn't a good fit. Uh. uh, For a variety of reasons. And then, so decided not to do that. And then was looking into counseling. Mm-hmm. And you and I were at a wedding. Whose wedding was it? It was Joey and Hannah's wedding. Okay. And, uh... In Waldheim? Yeah. Is yeah, that that's where right. it was? Yeah. Yeah. And I was telling you all of this. Yeah. And you said, Well, have you ever thought of music therapy? And my mind is blue. <laughs> I didn't know that that was a career path, I didn't know it was a thing. Uh-huh. I'd never heard of it before. And that conversation changed the course of my life. Cause it was wow. right after, after that day, I went home and I looked up every program in Canada that, um, t- did, had a music therapy program, yeah. every school, mm-hmm. um, there's five of them in uh-huh. Canada and I mess. I sent an email to every one of them Good. and, uh, ended up applying to Vancouver, yeah. auditioning with Capilano University mm-hmm. and getting in yeah. and moving there and Yeah. <laughs> just Yeah. Um so it was you.
0: Amazing. I totally forgot yeah. that. But you're welcome.
1: <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Wow.
0: Um I I love I love being reminded of what actually happens and I love being corrected about <laughs> like if corrected about uh, uh what's actually happened. <laughs> So that's cool. <laughs> that makes sense. Why I was so excited to hear that you were going to do that. <laughs> yeah. Cause I thought it was a good idea for you. <laughs> uh, okay. And so then, um, what was it in, um, in the degree itself that, uh, really shaped you the most? Like tell me the, the span of things that, that w- were surprising and formative when you first uh, took your degree and you're like, wow, okay, here's a new way to think about my art, my music, and a helping profession.
1: Oh gosh. Um, I think one of the biggest reasons that I went into music therapy in the end was that I have experienced music as a home for Mm -hmm. so long Mm -hmm. and had experienced music as a place of solace a place of understanding and a place of comfort yeah. and catharsis and wanted others to be able to experience that. Yeah. And so the first two years of the program I did actually at the U of S, mm-hmm. um, the program in Vancouver is designed to be transferred into at year three. Mm-hmm. So you can do the first two years anywhere. Mm-hmm. So I did the first two years in Saskatoon and that was, you know, it's a good thing that I had uh, such a strong desire to do what I wanted to do, because that wasn't fun.
2: Uh, <laughs>
1: Taking 100 and 200 level psychology and music theory and history courses was really difficult. Right.
0: Essentially um, starting at middle C again. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And, uh, and it was hard to care. Huh. Because it didn't feel applicable right. to what I was going to be doing, right. but even the practice of sticking to something,
0: oh my word. knowing
1: yeah. that something else better, you need it to get to something better yeah. is a really good life skill. To no have.
0: kidding. And oh. so
1: then when I, and yeah.
0: So that, that brings to mind the, the whole thing of um, on resumes when people are applying. So if there are any people who are responsible for hiring, listening to this episode, truly uh, some people will see uh, an advanced degree in a different discipline as a knock against a candidate. Um, Oh, they've gotten too far into marketing and communications. Oh, they've gotten too far into uh, theology studies. Okay. They're not going to be actually, you know, moldable and helpful in this other third uh discipline so they're not actually a good candidate they'd rather have someone who has is less trained and less um experienced but is maybe full, uh moldable but exactly what you said someone completing a program uh is showing a stick with itness that um is an asset and so i absolutely if anyone's in charge of hiring people uh there is some creativity in the way that you process people's backgrounds that, that may <laughs> better serve you and them.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Sorry,
0: I interrupted you that, that just, um, Oh, that's fine. Struck a nerve. <laughs> <laughs> the, um, yes. Okay. And so you are saying sticking with it in Saskatoon was formative. Um, yeah. And so then when you actually got to Vancouver and you actually then turned the corner into, Whoa, this stuff is applicable. What was that experience like? Mm-hmm.
1: Oh, it was so good. Every step of the way felt like it confirmed that I was where I needed to be. Every practicum, every class, it was like, yes, mm. this fits. Cool. And um, it wasn't performance. It wasn't teaching. Yeah. But it was music. Yeah. And it was a helping profession. Um, and it was just so exciting to me.
0: Yeah. Oh, that's so good.
1: And it opened... My eyes to see, oh, this is why music has been so helpful to me. Mm. And this is how to use it intentionally to um, help other people. Yeah, no kidding. I experience know. it in that way. Yeah. Um, in a therapy program, you do have to do a lot of personal work. So mm-hmm. that's what. M- actually made it quite formative and Mm -hmm. um, for me personally not just professionally was that the faculty believed that you should not ask a client to do something you haven't tried yourself Mm. and so we were really deeply engaged with every intervention that we learned how to do Mm -hmm. we tried it so creating your own beat and lyrics for a rap yeah we did that we created art and counseled each other yeah. on those art pieces. We had to uh, dance our archetypes.
0: uh uh-huh.
1: <laughs> You know, Jungian archetypes. Okay.
0: <laughs> List really quickly some, uh, some of the Jungian archetypes for people who might not so know. So
1: there's the orphan, the wanderer, the wizard, the hero, and they all correspond to... Um, Different aspects of personality, different aspects of woundedness, uh, different aspects of strength. Mm -hmm. And so we had to do this quiz where we Mm -hmm. figured out what our archetype was. And then we had to find the music that Mm -hmm. described Mm -hmm. that for us and then (laughs) choreographic, choreograph It It was. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It was interesting. A whole journey. And, um being able to do these things, then you'll have a lot more familiarity with what your uh, patients, your clients would then be mm-hmm. uh, engaging in
1: yep. later on. And yep. experience the, um, the power of music to elicit an emotional experience. Yeah. And in that way to learn to be careful with it.
0: Right. Right. Cause there's an ethical, uh, question there of like what you're going to push someone into and, and wanting Mm -hmm. to go into it with a great amount of care and a great amount of familiarity with, okay, what you're actually, uh, facilitating. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Absolutely. So, uh, at the tail end of your, um, training, you then did an internship or or a practicum at the university or or, sorry, at the St. Paul hospital, uh, in Saskatoon, Mm -hmm. which then turned into a job. Um, yes, that, uh, that you still hold and, um, yes. and you're serving there, you're, you're, you're working with mm-hmm. hemodialysis patients and community mm-hmm. outreach programs, right? Yes. Yeah. So for people who may not know, what does a session of music therapy actually look like when you're serving those patients, those participants, um, what might mm-hmm. the time together look like?
1: So it is always very different. And depending on the music therapist you ask, you'll get a different answer (laughs) because we all have various ways of practicing and that, um, that we have come to through much figuring it out. Um, so what I share is how I do a music therapy session. Yeah. If you were to watch somebody else do a music therapy session, it would be probably different. Mm. Um, but I have a cart of musical instruments, so mm. I've got a keyboard and a ukulele and a guitar. I have bins full of maracas and marimbas and um, all all sorts of like small rhythm instruments, mm-hmm. uh, like egg shakers. I have a karaoke machine. I have boomwhackers, which are like these long, colorful tubes that are yeah. um, pitched you've probably encountered them in elementary school totally um tone chimes uh so like the individual pieces of xylophones um, so it's uh i pull up i also make a lot of noise as as even just the cart rolls down the <laughs> hallway right there's all this jingling and um shaking and yeah Yeah, with mixed sounds.
0: It's giving ice cream truck. It's like, oh, here she comes.
1: A little bit, (laughs) yeah. yeah. Especially around Christmas time when I add the jingle bells to the park. Oh, yeah. It gives off Santa Claus vibes. Yeah. Um, Yeah, (laughs) it's a good time. And so I I get referrals for patients. Mm. Those can either come from the patients themselves, they request a visit. Mm -hmm. Um, Staff can request a visit for a patient. Family members can request a visit for a patient. Mm. Um, And so I go and I meet with them one-to-one while they're receiving their treatments. Mm -hmm. And will offer, well, first I start off with a bit of an assessment. I get to know them and um, figure out what makes them tick Mm -hmm. a little bit figure out what their history with music is and what their relationship with music is and do a little bit of education on what music therapy is and how it can help. Yeah. And then it's very patient directed. So I will offer what I have Mm -hmm. to give and then they can choose. They get to choose what we do. um, And the goals that they want to work towards, the, um, the way we do it, even the way I do it to some degree, I'll say, how do you want me to participate with Mm -hmm. you in this? Um, so I use a very patient directed approach. Others don't. Um, but that's the way I choose to. So you asked how a music therapy session will play out. So if it's somebody, we'll say that I know it's somebody I know I've done the assessment already. We have goals that are, that we've agreed on. Yeah. Um, we have a treatment plan that we've agreed on that kind of a thing. And so it's a return visit kind of a thing. So Mm -hmm. I will pull up beside them. I'll do a check-in, see how they're doing that day. What is it? What is their, um, highest level of concern. We talk about a personal hierarchy of urgency.
2: Mm.
1: So is it like what's rising to the top of their, Mm -hmm. their needs? Is it physical, like relief of physical pain? Is it that they're bored? Is it that they're anxious? Um, Is there, are they having a really hard time keeping their blood pressure up or down? Mm. Uh, Or are they, Do they have some stress from home or stress from outside the hospital that they're dealing with? And they can choose what we, Mm -hmm. what they want to work on today. And then I, I offer, well, these are some of the ways that music could help.
0: Mm. So if one Uh, of them were to say, um, so, so pick a, pick a a top, a, a, a top problem. And then what, solution or what ways music would could help
1: so say somebody is feeling um quite a bit of physical pain that day yeah um i will ask them if it's somewhere in particular Mm-hmm. and if they want to address their relationship with the pain or do they want to be distracted from the pain oh yeah We're kind of, which, which way do we want to go? So say they want to be distracted from the pain. Mm -hmm. It's a ever present thing in their lives and they just don't, they want to take their mind off of it.
2: Yeah.
1: So I will offer singing. Mm -hmm. We can sing together or they could just listen while I sing. We could Mm songwrite together or we could do musical improvisation. Mm -hmm. So um depending on what they pick
2: mm-hmm.
1: or if they're having a hard time picking I will offer mm-hmm. something else yeah um or something that that we could start with yeah and then and then we go from there yeah absolutely if they choose if they choose singing or listening I will provide a song list that they can choose from yeah if they can't think of a song they want to hear or sing at that point in time uh if they want to songwrite, then I will lead them through a process, mm-hmm. um, a songwriting process. Yeah. Or if they want to improv, then that looks like they choose an instrument for themselves. They choose an instrument for me.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And, then, um, and then it's like an unfolding of whatever music happens in yeah. that space.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Um, So that's one example. That's very cool. Anytime I think about you doing uh, therapy at your work, I have in my mind this image uh, that you described once of this child that uh, you gave a a xylophone or something to, and you invited them to. Well, you know, they shared that they were feeling angry or upset, and you said, "Well, what would that feeling sound like?" And then they banged it out. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, it's absolutely. It just seems very play. Based Very like, well, let's just mm-hmm. dive in and try. It's, it's, uh, it's messy. It's not incredibly linear. Uh, let's just dive in.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, absolutely. Though it's structured, like as you talk about, um, uh, the investigation of where they are connecting to where, where they actually are and then, um, yeah, yeah. Attuning a to where they are and then, um, a finding what is, what they would actually like. That's a really structured linear, um, process of exploration, um, to facilitate that play. Um, mm-hmm. you talked about, um, the songwriting process. Does that end up being an incredibly attractive one to, to people or is it one that people are afraid of?
1: It is one that people are afraid of. Yeah um inviting people into music is a difficult one actually yeah because our society has this we've professionalized the arts uh-huh yeah and so you don't do it unless you're good at it right um artistic expression whether it be di- movement or visual art or music or any other kind of art we've we've made it something that professionals do as opposed to something that's intrinsic to human nature. And so most often people will opt for, Oh, I just want to listen to you sing. You're the, you're the professional. I would like to listen to you. And so this is where the art of the therapy comes in Mm. is bringing, drawing people into the music, inviting them to try something new, that this is actually something that they can do mm-hmm. and so in that way songwriting becomes a fairly advanced or down the road intervention yeah because it takes a lot of i don't want to use the word convincing because right um
0: but perhaps a lot of trust buildings mm-hmm. yeah yeah some slow persuasion and so
1: some slow um some slow drawing people in yeah And uh, in some ways, I like to think of my love of the music and my engagement with the music as contagious.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And
1: so as I show and model that this is something that is powerful and enjoyable Mm -hmm. and possible, then they're invited into that space too. Oh, totally. Just by seeing that I'm engaged with it.
0: Yeah. A model is so powerful in any setting. And so to be able to invite them in by showing and then inviting them to do, that's Mm -hmm. cool.
1: And, you know, sometimes I will, if I've established a really good relationship with the person and have decided that it's a good idea, Mm -hmm. I have gone into a space and been like... Hey, you up for an adventure Mm -hmm. and just push something just like, Hey, we're going to try this. Yeah. I know you're up for it. Uh, and they're like, Oh, I don't know. Uh And then one of the things I love is just seeing the really hesitant playing of a new instrument Yeah, and the, it's, At the beginning, it's like, oh, am I doing it right? And it's like, no, there's no right way or wrong way to do it.
0: Yeah. There's bravely engage.
1: Yeah. Just do it. Yeah. And then I have the skills to use whatever they've selected for me Mm -hmm. to play with them. Yeah. In a supportive manner. Mm -hmm. One that... I don't just do my own thing.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: I am playing in a way that supports their experience and supports their exploration. Yeah. So, yeah,
0: that's really cool. Um, Mm -hmm. As you were walking us through uh, the assessment and the, the questions leading up to um, selecting an intervention, um, you talked, uh, you, you showed the, the difference do you want to be distracted from your pain or do you want to address your relationship with your pain? What, um, what does it look like when you use music, whether it's improvising or songwriting or whatever to help someone explore their relationship with something that's unwanted in their life?
1: That's a tough one. Okay. Um, it doesn't come up very often Okay. because people are like, no, I want to be distracted. Yeah. Um, and part of that gives me really good information about their coping mechanisms. Yeah. Because that's part of what's happening in my my head is if I'm receiving messages from them on how they cope. Yeah. And they and maybe something that I'm working towards in my own like in the therapy side of things. Yeah. Is helping them to build. Yeah. Um, b- healthier coping mechanisms mm. for what they're experiencing. Mm-hmm. As a so, maybe sometimes choosing distraction is a form of avoidant coping, right? Which isn't going to help them in the end.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So, um, sometimes I will suggest, well, why don't we explore that relationship that you have with pain? That it's more often something I suggest, yeah, than something people choose, yeah. Because <laughs>
0: um, we just want to escape it,
1: <laughs> right? Escapism is so strong. I yeah. feel it too. Yeah, and uh, so we use can use things like songwriting. Songwriting is a big one for something like that, or improvisation, mm. and um, choosing pain sounds. Hmm. And what do you mean by that? So, what does your pain sound like? Ah. Uh. Does it have a really sharp ringing texture to it? Or is it like this incessant buzzing? Uh, is it really dissonant chords on a piano or a guitar? Um, what does pain sound like? Uh-huh. And then how could we experiment with altering it? Uh-huh. It's In some ways, it's an externalization of the physical experience. Yeah. And or an in, externalization of an internal experience where you can bring a, an experience outside of yourself, in this instance, pain. Yeah. And we call it rehearsing. Hmm. So, rehearse a different way of relating with it. Mm-hmm. Maybe, um, maybe you can change the way you play the instrument. Maybe you can add a different instrument to the sound to create something different. Um, so in that way, we can use musical expression itself. Yeah. Um, sometimes we can use words with the songwriting. Yeah. What does what kind of words will come to mind um, to express? Yeah. the physical sensations you're experiencing. And how can we express those in a, in a song? Yeah. Um, does that make sense? It
0: totally does. It brings to mind mm-hmm. the uh, experience of uh, running into a professionally produced um, song that is super cathartic to listen to. And um, someone mm-hmm. might, um, you know, or a whole album and someone might uh, listen to it on repeat because it resonates with what they're experiencing psychologically or physically or, or, or whatever. It um, somehow externalizes their suffering and then re 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 um, contextualizes it g- provides a new approach to it. But this mm-hmm. is exactly like you say, engaging it from a different angle rather than the industrial professionalization of that music. There's a person who's th- the person who's experiencing that pain is then helping create the external reflection of what they're feeling inside. And it's mm-hmm. a totally different engagement with that cathartic artistic experience, which is so Absolutely. cool. The, um, I, I, one of the things that I'm so taken by is that in all of this, like, so when I think of therapy, I often think of, um, you know, unless it's physical therapy, PT, um, uh, I think of talk therapy. Um, I picture mm-hmm. the, the therapist on the couch talking to the person and asking, so why are you so mean to your wife or whatever? Like, why do you feel like your mother abandoned you? Um, Yeah. Talking things through, but this, there is talking, but it's so much more. uh, Let's get involved in a thing. And you're thinking through, like, you know, you talked about the coping mechanisms and you're like, okay, I'm learning as they make choices and and tell me things I'm learning about their coping mechanisms and then I'm going to help facilitate experiences that will hopefully build a pattern of a healthier coping mechanism or these different mm-hmm. um, interventions that will help build a different relationship to their pain and so it's not about talking to you know self educate about what should be it's about Doing something that's going to help form a person uh into a healthier pattern and um i i I guess there's no question i guess i'm just- pr- verbally processing and just really appreciating uh that aspect of it
1: yeah, well, and something that I'll add um just yeah, you know we'll do a little bit a little dive into um trauma informed work yeah and uh, neuro physiology, neurology. Yeah. Um, and the neurosciences. Love
0: this. All the people who signed Uh, up for, uh, an artistic (laughs) podcast are like, what the hell is this? (laughs) But then again,
1: (laughs) don't worry. It ties in.
0: Most artists are probably traumatized. So this is perfect for us.
1: (laughs) Yeah. exactly. Keep going. So the, the part of the brain that processes trauma, Yeah. And processes emotion is a completely separate part of the brain. Yeah. From the talking part. Huh. And so when we are deep in our feelings. Yeah. That's what's happening is you can't express it. You, there aren't words for it because it's housed in a completely different part of the brain as your language. Mm. And so Uh, This is something that talk therapy runs into is when somebody is recounting trauma Mm -hmm. or recounting a really difficult emotion, Uh there aren't words for it. Right. And so then you look at where music is housed Mm -hmm. in the brain. It's housed in the same home as those emotions. Yeah. And so... In a lot of ways, the arts—we're talking specifically about music—but this yes. applies really to all of the arts. Yeah. Um, you can, you can express things through the arts. You can express things through music, that don't have words. Uh huh. And so, in a way, using the music to externalize those inner processes is really, really powerful. Yeah. For people, because. They don't have to talk about it. Yeah. They can work through something outside of themselves. They can bring it out into the open. Yeah. And they don't have that added stress of trying to find the right word.
0: Right. Because they're housed in a different spot. And so a word is not necessarily going to be the visceral connection. Mm -hmm. They may find a word later on or they could be taught a word that everybody has collectively uh, decided this will this word will describe that difficult to describe thing. But it's not viscerally there. It's not automatically connected to the lexicon in their head.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And so if you uh, create a piece of visual art or you record a piece of improvised music. And look at it or listen to it back. Then you can figure out, oh, this is what was going on uh. there. And then the words can come yeah. because you've got an external piece of something to look at. Yeah. Um, and to listen to that helps you put the words to it. Yeah. Um, a personal practice of mine that I've recently started actually. Yeah. Um, is uh, an art journal. Huh. And I bought some oil pastels and a sketch pad. Yeah. (laughs) And improvise on the paper with the colors. Cool. I usually put on some music in the background and take 15 minutes and create a piece of art um, about something that I'm working through. Yeah. And then then I can journal about it. Mm. Because oftentimes what happens when I journal Mm -hmm. is I look at the blank page and it's just like. I don't know.
0: Yeah, I
1: I can't even. I don't know where to begin. Yeah, and so externalizing it in an artistic form then creates the bridge. Yeah, between my brain and the words.
0: Yeah, what would you say um, to someone who's listening right now, who's Mm -hmm. interested in what you've just described, but is uh, doesn't know where to begin with artistic improvisation to externalize? to process if they don't know how to get started with painting, how to get started with banging on the piano that they inherited from their grandma. uh, What would you say to them to give them a little, um, help?
1: Hmm. So I always start with a bit of a grounding exercise. I will close my eyes and really take a moment to feel my feet on the floor. Mm -hmm. Um, and Take some deep breaths and in my mind, get a firm image, I guess, of what it is I want to work through. Mm -hmm. So for me, one of the things I was working on the other day was the idea of going back to work from maternity leave
2: Mm -hmm.
1: and the emotions. There's lots of conflicting emotions that come with Mm -hmm. anticipating that. And so I took a moment to close my eyes, take some deep breaths, and focus my attention on that, just that idea of going back to work.
0: Yeah.
1: And and then I opened my eyes and I looked at my palette of colors mm-hmm. and picked the first one that um drew my attention. Mm-hmm. And then just put, uh, put the color to the paper and saw what happened until I felt like switching colors. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: And it's like, okay, I'm done with this color. What's the next one? Mm -hmm. And found that, um, with like 15 minutes, 10 minutes of time, um, You'd be surprised at how quickly you get into the flow. Mm. Initially you think, oh gosh, I couldn't do that.
2: Mm
1: -hmm. I'm not an artist. I'm not an artist by any stretch of the imagination. Mm. But it just started to come out. Mm -hmm. Once you, once you get into the flow of it, after maybe picking that first color and making the first marks on the page, Mm -hmm. um, it just it comes out, um, cool. and you've got that focus of this is what I'm processing right now. Yeah. These are the emotions, and you're thinking and focusing on that, and that guides the yeah guides the experience. And then I've taken those pieces of art to my counseling sessions. Oh huh, yeah, and said this is this is what I'm processing. Yeah, <laughs> and this is what I see in it. What do you see in it? Oh yeah. And it's a basis for the talk therapy then as well. Yes, it's, uh,
0: totally. That's like a uh, Rorschach. Is that, is that the, the description of the ink blots? That's
1: the ink the blots. Ink blots? Yeah. yeah,
0: totally. So you're doing your art therapy Rorschach or, or, or Rorschach yeah. was doing like a different type of art therapy before, Yeah. before you got, could get <laughs> to it.
1: <laughs> yeah, probably.
0: <laughs> oh, that's fun. Um, I love that. So what I'm hearing is like you would, you would ground, you would breathe, you would make sure to just relax and to uh, try and release the, any uh, of the concern or pressure or anxiety around it. And then you would follow your gut. You would try and listen to, okay, what feels like what I need or what what I want right now. Mm -hmm. Um, And would you be able to say something to someone who is in the middle of um, painting or in the middle of putting some notes together and um instantly feels or like suddenly feels silly or like they are just doing it wrong what what could they say to mm. themselves or remind themselves to like restore a sense of purpose and I'll stick this out for another 5 minutes
1: this is where i like to have music in the background mm. Something, something instrumental, um, something calming and predictable. Um, you know, don't turn on the Pirates of the Caribbean soundtrack. Uh,
0: well, what if, um, what if that reflects what I'm feeling inside? I guess you could. Okay. (laughs)
1: It's not a bad thing. Yeah. Um, but pick, pick music that, uh, that fits with where you're at. Yeah. And... Uh, when I get lost like that, if I'm starting to get really in my head mm-hmm. about the thing that i'm creating, I'll pause, close my eyes, and refocus mm-hmm. take a couple of deep breaths to refocus on the music, refocus on what I'm doing and what i that focus that I chose at the beginning yeah um to reground essentially because that's yeah. what's happening is you're Becoming ungrounded.
0: Yeah, that makes sense.
1: When you're getting caught up in your head. So take a moment to reground. That's cool. And continue.
0: Great. Cool. Thank you for sharing that because I, I feel like that's such a <laughs> useful tool um, that might be really helpful for a lot of people. And so to end one that um, people may intuitively know, ah, that's out there, but like I don't know what to do with it. So to have someone who's doing it professionally on a regular basis explain it, um, or, or offer up a few helpful tools, that's really really valuable. Um, I, I'd love for you to talk about shifting gears a little bit. Um, the community outreach programs that you were, uh, you mentioned providing music therapy at as mm-hmm. well. Cause there was for sure that one, um, home that you were working in that I found super interesting. Uh, what are the different programs that you're involved in?
1: So, uh, I don't know what the state of them is now.
0: Huh. Right. Cause <laughs> you're on that leave. Since
1: I've been on maternity. Yeah. Right. Uh, I left with the expectation that my replacement would keep them going, but we'll see, you know, things, I know that things evolve, relationships evolve and what a facility needs and what a population needs changes. So I will speak about where I left things at. Yeah. So I did uh, three different community groups Mm -hmm. and um, St. Paul's is situated in the downtown core yeah. of Saskatoon. Mm-hmm. It's got a really high, the neighborhood has a really high crime rate, a really high um, poverty rate. And it's just a, a bit of a rough, rough part of town. Yeah. And so a lot of, unhoused part of
0: there.
1: yes. Yeah. And so a lot of my work also comes from interfacing with that community and reaching out and the idea of being proactive about health care mm-hmm. as opposed to reactive, uh, reach out and help the community before they're in an acute care setting.
0: Yeah. Cool.
1: And so I have done a group at Sanctum House, which is a, um, transition and, Uh, transition home and hospice for people living with HIV. Mm -hmm. I have done a group at a Métis elders lodge Mm. and like an independent living situation for uh, Métis elders and then a inner city drop-in center. Mm. Um, I've done a group there as well and they all look fairly similar. They have Similar goals, uh, of social interact, building social interaction, building relationships and providing a safe space for people to share their lives and, uh, interact with music mm-hmm. and tell stories. And, um, so I cart all of the instruments,
2: yeah.
1: <laughs> uh, to, and song books. So I have lyric books that I take along as well. Yeah. Um, and set it all up in the middle of a circle um, most of the time. Mm. I I set the room up as a circle mm-hmm. and uh, anybody is invited. It's a come and go sort of a situation. Oh, yeah. And people can engage for as much or as long as they want to and then go again. So I'm usually there for an hour or two. Cool. And invite people to make music Mm -hmm. and, um, and share the stories that the music evokes Mm -hmm. and, uh, and sing and Mm -hmm. improvise. Mm -hmm. And, uh, it's a very free flowing sort of an experience. They, uh, a lot of people are scared of the instruments in the middle. They're just like, oh, we'll just have a sing-along. How about that? Huh. It's like, oh, no, here you go. You're going to have a maraca. <laughs> yeah. I don't, I personally don't care how you choose to play that maraca, but I'm giving it to you. Yeah.
0: <laughs> You're going to hold this. <laughs>
1: <laughs> You're going to hold it. Uh, and maybe you'll be tempted to play yeah. it sometimes. Uh, you know, so that's inviting people in, yeah. in that way, um, giving them a little bit of a push. Yeah. Cool. And the aim, really, the final aim, is that they would build relationships with each other, because they are each other's community.
2: Yeah.
1: And um, I hope to build rela- foster a place where they can build relationships that are going to extend beyond um, the therapy group yeah. that um, you know that are health-based, yeah, as opposed to maybe some maybe dysfunctional right uh, relationships that, that they have.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's very cool. The mm-hmm. diversity of application for um, music therapy is pretty interesting. Uh,
1: it really is. Totally.
0: Are there contexts in which music therapy is used or could be used that you've not participated in, but strike your interest?
1: Oh, uh, I think cancer care would be super interesting, yeah tell me more um so my husband is a cancer nurse, yeah, and the the emotional and social and psychological implications for somebody who has received a cancer diagnosis mm. or is undergoing cancer treatments mm-hmm. is huge mm-hmm. and you know, there's lots of support groups. There's lots of therapists that work with that population. Mm -hmm.
0: Um, And there might be some music therapists,
1: you know, there's, there are music therapists around North America that do that kind of work. Um, and it's very similar to the work that I do with hemodialysis patients because, you know, kidney failure, um, is you know it's a terminal yeah illness if they don't come for dialysis, they die, yeah, uh so there's a lot of overlap, yes, and um I love the part of music therapy that is the um, the emotional psychological social piece, yeah of uh there's lots of other ways that music therapists work but I love that particular part of it. Yeah. And so I see cancer care being something that would be really really rewarding. Mm-hmm. And um also really stretching. Like that's a really hard people are walking through some really hard stuff. No kidding. And some really deep pain.
0: No kidding. Um
1: so I think it would be challenging but so rewarding.
0: Yeah. Uh ah, that's really cool. Mm-hmm.
1: I've tried working with children.
0: Uh huh. <laughs> it was tough.
1: That that mu like that style of music therapy goes way too fast. Okay. And requires a level of um, ingenuity and always thinking on your feet. Yeah. And working at a really fast pace that I just don't have.
0: <laughs> gotcha. Yeah.
1: I really like the pace that adults go.
0: Okay. Fantastic,
1: and that's good to know your niche. <laughs> like, <laughs> yep, and it's okay. Yeah,
0: because then you'll best serve those people you resonate with, um, mm-hmm. the best. That's really good. Yep, that's cool. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> one more thing that I wanted to uh, ask you about when we were talking about the possibility of you coming on the podcast, and I was explaining to you the title and everything, you really resonated with the notion of um, uh, art projects, songs, films, whatever, being difficult to complete and, and, and needing more to be surrendered, um, rather than perfected. And you really Mm. responded to that with even the, 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 the therapy process of process versus, uh, product. Um, I'd like to hear you talk a little bit more about that.
1: Yeah, it's uh it's a tough thing in situations where um budgets and you know, funding sources and fundraising and employers and Western medicine really. <laughs> they want hard and fast metrics yeah. and products yeah. and something tangible to point to that says what we're doing is working. Right. Uh one of the challenges that has faced music therapy and the arts in general, in as applied to healthcare, mm-hmm. is trying to create something tangible out of what is largely intangible. Mm. And uh, facing head on that idea that you do need something—a recording or a final song or a final piece of art. To show your donors that, oh, the patients are creating these things yeah. and it's making such a difference. And we saw 50 people last month. You yeah. know, it's maybe you only see 10 and they do some really deep work that they're then taking into their lives. And there isn't a recording. Mm-hmm. There isn't a frameable piece of art. Mm mm-hmm. There isn't something tangible to point at. How do you then explain that? Um, so that's a challenge that we face all the time. Yeah. Um, because I really value that intangible outcome piece.
0: Yeah, no kidding. Um, well, and I imagine... I recently, sorry, I imagine whoop. that um, you as a storyteller would then... like Like one of your solutions is going to be as a storyteller in reports saying, uh, so if they can't have a a recording or a frameable piece of art, they can at least have your stories in reports that will hopefully then narrate that kind of deep work. Um, I interrupted you. Mm -hmm. What were you saying?
1: Oh, uh, I was just going to say something like, I just, oh, I just came across this or put together this, um, comparison, um, the Greek philosopher uh Heraclitus hmm. has the famous quote that "You cannot step into the same river twice oh, because the water is different, yeah, and the person that you are is different, yeah, and that is music mm.
2: Mm.
1: when you create music, that music is for that moment, mm-hmm whether it's your own or you're creating with somebody else, um, mm-hmm. you will be different. Even if the notes you play are exactly the same, yeah. the context has changed, the r- relationship with the music has changed, you have changed, mm-hmm. and therefore it is not the same music. Yeah. And so um, even if we are creating something that... We do end up recording. I'm working. When I uh, went on maternity leave, I was in the middle of working on an album with a patient. Cool. She was writing and composing all of her own songs to create an album. Yeah. You know whether we have that album or whether we have the. um, There's there's nothing. We have just improvised and recorded. None of it. Um, The music has met us and changed us. Yeah. And we will never pass this way again.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, It was a gift for the moment.
0: Mm.
1: And that's the beauty of the music. Is that it's a gift for this moment. Yeah. And it changes us. And... uh, The way that we are after we have encountered the music is different.
0: Yeah. I love the humility to that of like honoring what it is in the moment and the effect that it has on a person and contrasting that to the legacy. Some might want to leave in an impressive body of work that uh, remains, uh, when they're done. Um, and it's totally different legacies and there's, there's value to both of them, but like the value in that humble legacy of let's bravely make music that changes us and serves the people around us. Um, th- I, I love that. That's, I love that description. Thank you. Oh, you're welcome. Yeah. <laughs> and thank
1: It's something that I'm exploring now yeah. for myself even. Yeah. It's okay to not have something... Tangible at the end. Yeah. I've had a moment. Yeah. And that moment can change me, and that's what I carry forward. Uh huh.
0: That's cool. Well, I love mm-hmm. your journey. I love watching it. I love <laughs> that I'm a person who gets front row seats to your life. <laughs> and I'm so glad that you joined me today and that you helped, uh, uh, th- that you gave everyone else a glimpse into who you are and what you do. um uh, This has been a lot Absolutely. of fun. Absolutely. Thank you.
1: It has been yeah we've covered a lot of ground
0: (laughs) we have covered a lot of ground and I knew it would be interesting um uh, so that's good so maybe we'll have to have you on again at some point to talk specifically about songwriting because that's a whole nother conversation that uh, was on my mind uh, because I think that you've got a lot of incredible advice to to give to songwriters who who want to be able to you know in addition to uh experiencing a moment that changes them then also uh Produce something that they can share with someone else. Um, Mm -hmm. So this is my formal invitation to have you back sometime. There we go. Excellent. We'll
1: have to create a series. Excellent.
0: (laughs) All right. Well, thank you. (laughs) I need to let you go. Thank you to those of you who listened uh, to this episode. If you liked this, share it with someone that you think may also enjoy the conversation. And consider also leaving a rating wherever you listen to podcasts. It honestly does help people who are looking to stumble upon something new that like things similar to you. And um, if you'd like, you can find me on Instagram at Timothy Lenko and at Timothy Lenko Music. Um, Tanea, thank you so much for being here. Mm -hmm. This was great.
1: Thank you for inviting me. It was my pleasure.
0: You're so welcome thanks again everyone for listening. Join me again in two weeks when I'll have a conversation with a mixed media artist about his craft and process. Until then, have a good one. Oh no, that's leave the session. No, no, no. Stop the recording.